It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. G'day crew, welcome to your Wednesday. Welcome to half of New Zealand that are listening to us at the moment. Of course, the other half listening to the wonderful Andy Thompson on the Rural Roundup. What we've got for you listening in today, um, second out, one o'clock, we've got Michael Duarte. He's an award-winning journalist um, based in California and reports on the LA sports team. So we're going to talk to him about the Lakers, LeBron, what next for him, etc. I might even... I might even try and have him on that I'm Matt Stafford's cousin, as I always do, because he's playing in LA at the moment. Um, so I'll talk to him about that. Uh, we will talk at some stage during the show about this Entain and TAB merger. I'm not across everything. I'm being asked consistently, and both socially and on social media, with message, what do you reckon? Is this good? Is this good? I have a few of my opinions without being fully educated on, on the, whole, the whole deal. Um, I think there's a lot of positives. It was a ten- oh, look. I'll address it later on. I'll address it later on because we do have to talk to our first guest. <clears throat> and you know, South Africa's been sort of off our radar because we haven't had the Sharks, the Lions, the Stormers, all all of these wonderful Super Rugby teams. They're just they're just not on our on our dial at the moment. And they've been in Europe for a couple of years, uh, taking part in the Heineken Cup and um, the Rugby Championship up there, and they're getting to play a whole variety of teams. So we are going to have a have a chat. Um, he is the voice of Super Sport. Um, he's like the Grant Nisbet in South Africa. He is Maddie Pierce, and uh, he joins us now. Nice to be talking to you, Maddie. <laughs> yeah, nice to be talking to you again. And I cannot wait uh, to make my first trip to New Zealand since 2019 oh. in July for uh, round two of the Rugby Championship. Really looking forward to that game. In Auckland, I'll be coming over with a crew, so not a lot of time there, but uh, really look forward to to getting back there. You know, to think that it's been four years. When we get there, it'll be almost four years to the day um, since we were last able to come to New Zealand. So, uh, really looking forward to that. Um, holistically, overall, how's the switch for South African franchise rugby leaving the Southern Hemisphere? going to the Northern Hemisphere, playing in the Ultimate Rugby Championship, the Heineken Cup, um, a very different landscape for South African uh, provincial or whatever you, whatever you want to call it, um, having been in Super Rugby for so, so long. Could, could you give us a pricey of, of, of the, the good things, maybe the difficult things in that change for South African rugby? Sure, Steph. Uh, and I think, yeah, I've got to be a little careful about the audience I'm speaking to now. So, <laughs> no, I want you <laughs> to, be to be honest. Like we miss as, you, we miss as you. honest as I can. Yeah, and I think I think there are enormous 
elements that that we miss uh, in in the Super Rugby as well. Uh, the obvious one that we don't miss is in terms of the time difference. Mm-hmm. So to have the rugby that we're having in the time zones that we do uh, more conventional times for us to be watching rugby. I mean, just a practical example, uh, you know, for those of us who have school-going kids who play sport on a Saturday morning, uh, you know, Super Rugby was was difficult for us to to stay connected to on a on a Saturday morning when games were being played in the afternoon or, or evening uh, in New Zealand. I mean, even with the concessions made for seven thirty kickoffs over there, uh, you know, that was still quite tricky for us uh, in in the mornings. And and so to be more aligned in terms of time zone, you know, maximum two hours time difference. Uh, in the winter months of the Northern Hemisphere, but coming back to one hour at the moment. And then also with the Heineken Cup games in, in France, it's it's only ever one hour of time difference. So, so that's certainly a benefit. And obviously with that uh, comes uh, the, the, the benefit of not having to spend so much time acclimatizing. You know, we, we all know the jet lag factor. Uh, having said that, in, in year one of South African franchises playing up north, there have been some travel challenges, and I think those were always going to be on the cards, given that we were quite late entrance into the European competitions, both the Champions and the Challenge Cups. And so scheduling was a problem, but I have no doubt, uh, and from what I'm hearing, that, that that is already going to be addressed for season two. Um, have we made an impression in the Northern Hemisphere? Certainly. Uh, you know, I think if you look at the inaugural season of the United Rugby Championship or the URC, as it's become affectionately known, uh, it was an amazing start for South Africa with uh, the Bulls and the Stormers winning their way through to the final, both of them beating Irish teams. Uh, the Stormers winning at home in their semi-final against Ulster last year, but then the Bulls upsetting Leinster in Dublin and Cape Town hosting a final. Uh, and and it was an incredible spectacle. But, you know, we were still at sort of 50% stadium capacity with uh, COVID regulations starting to be lifted at the time that final was played. And now this current season, I mean, it is, just worked so beautifully for the defending champions because I'm not sure how much of it you you followed, but quarterfinals were really tightly contested affairs, and there was a, a quarterfinal in Cape Town where uh, the, the Stormers played the Bulls. So the last year's finalists met as number three and number six on the log. The Stormers finishing third and the Bulls finishing sixth. So they met in a quarterfinal in Cape Town. And then everyone expected Ulster, who finished second, to beat Connacht, a big Irish derby, in in the next quarterfinal. And amazingly, you know, Connacht managed to beat Ulster in in Belfast. So that gave the Stormers a home semi-final two Saturdays ago. Uh, But still then, you know, everyone expected Leinster to beat Munster. And Leinster, having finished top of the log, uh, everyone expected them to host the final. And what did Munster do? They put over a drop goal with a couple of minutes to go to win the game by a point. And so miraculously, the, the Stormers have, have a second consecutive home final, which takes place this weekend. And, and to give you just a, an inkling of 
how it's captured the imagination of the fans. The, the tickets went on sale uh, last Thursday and they sold out uh, the new, the relatively new DHL stadium in Cape Town that was built for the Football World Cup in 2010. 55,000 seats sold in, in three hours. Wow. So it's an, it's an absolute sellout this weekend. Munster arrived in Cape Town today. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of banter around with the fans. We, we're told there's over 5,000 Munster fans <laughs> traveling from Limerick <laughs> uh, down to Cape Town. So, you know, it, it, it's been good, staff. I mean, yes, as you said, you know, there's, there's elements that we miss in terms of that rivalry with, with New Zealand teams and so on. But you, the reality of the situation is that, you know, we South Africa had to find somewhere to play mm. uh, because there was a period of time where we couldn't play anywhere. Well, we certainly couldn't come to Australia and New Zealand and because of COVID restrictions. Um, and we, we had to find a home at, at pretty short notice. And I think the result has been a pleasing one. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I think there's a, there's a lot of familiar players um, as I mentioned before, the time zones are better. So so we end up watching a lot more rugby. And I think if you spoke to some of the executives from the United Rugby Championship, which was previously known as the Pro 12 and the Pro 14, uh, they would tell you that they've been delighted because, as you well know, you know South Africans consume an enormous amount of rugby on, on television. So viewership figures for the, for the competition as a whole have gone through the roof. So that's largely, uh, well, the uplift is certainly largely due to the, the participation of the South African franchises, and and they've delivered. You know, the the, uh, the the Stormers, the Bulls, and the Sharks have all been in quarterfinals in the first two years. Uh, the Lions had a pretty good season after uh, not such a good start. They 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 had some some good results towards the end of the competition. And you know they they were unlikely to get a, a top eight spot, but you know they they showed some some really good improvement. So uh, it's it's been it's been a good couple of years. So, what effect of this competition change into the United Rugby Championship playing Heineken's Cup? The flow-on effect to the preparedness for the Springboks for a World Cup. Um, I feel like I'm going to answer my own question. It sounds like. It's a wonderful preparation of good hard rugby. Because here's the thing, Maddie. Uh, talking to Maddie Pierce from Supersport in South Africa, I, I was emceeing a function last week, and Ian Foster. I did a Q and A with him. It must have been for about forty five minutes, and he said all New Zealand have been doing for the last two years is playing each other uh, at Super Rugby level, and he absolutely mm. missed how playing South African teams, how having that that travel pressure and return pressure and back to back he said it's just gone and he bemoaned New Zealanders saying oh the Chiefs Crusaders that's test match intensity he said it's not even close he said we get that with the South African teams and we're going to go to the World Cup having played each other and being the New Zealand franchises yes Australia are in there but uh, aside from the Brumbies it's not much of a challenge whereas the South African club players that are going to become Springboks You've been playing French clubs, English clubs, Irish clubs, Welsh clubs. Um, you must be feeling not cock a hoop, but a nice preparation 
for the for the gold and yellow of the Springbok later this year? Yeah, well, I think that's right, I, I, and I wouldn't say cock a hoop. I, I think there's a there's a quiet confidence, and I think key to that is the variety. I mean, the the one thing that you've left out there, which is an interesting one, is the number of South African players who are playing their trade in Japan, mm. and it's a big number. You know, if you think of some of the players who who went to Japan from uh, other northern hemisphere competitions. So, for example, you had Faf de Klerk and Luat de Jager, you know, highly decorated Springboks. They were playing at the Sale Sharks in the English Premiership. They both went to Japan um, in, in the last couple of years. Uh, Damien Delendi was playing at Munster. He's now in Japan. Billy LaRue uh, has been in Japan for, for quite some time. Malcolm Marks. Uh, has just been named in in the Japanese League One team of the year. So too has has Kwaka Smith. Um, wow. So so there's a lot of players playing in Japan where the workload, um, by their own admission, is is not nearly as high, and they actually are keeping their bodies fresh. But to your point about preparation for a World Cup, I, th- I think. One mustn't lose sight of the very positive thing for both of our countries, might I say, that we are playing each other twice uh, before the World Cup. And, you know, South Africa have got six test matches prior to their opening game of the World Cup. And, and those are obviously Australia, New Zealand and uh, Argentina in the rugby championship. Then we play Argentina again in Buenos Aires after that truncated rugby championship. And then the box are going north and they play Wales in Cardiff. And then, of course, this massive all-black game on the 25th of August, which is a Friday night at Twickenham, mm. um, which is, I think, going to be a magnificent occasion. Word on the street is that it's pretty much sold out, 80,000-odd uh, at, tw- at Twickenham on a Friday night. <laughs> and and I think those two games between each other are going to be a, a very important part of our respective preparation. And and I, I, I take you back to last year with those two test matches in South Africa where I think it's fair to say the box blew the All Blacks away in the first test in Mbombela, mm-hmm. uh, but it didn't take the All Blacks long to respond and to react to what they'd been faced with a week earlier and to get a win at Ellis Park seven days later, having been pretty comprehensively beaten the week before was, was an impressive response. So I'm not sure that it'll take an enormous amount for New Zealand to respond, but I do think the rugby championship and other uh, so-called warm-up test matches, if there is such a thing, uh, are, are going to be, very important ingredients in that ultimate preparation. And obviously, you know, we've both got difficult games to start the campaign. You know, your obvious one against France in the opening game of the competition. But then South Africa open up against Scotland. Now, Scotland are a tricky team. You know, they've, they've quietly worked their way up to number five in the world. And, and this is one of the great sadnesses. I think we're all saying the same thing, you know, in in the pool that South Africa are in, you've got Ireland currently ranked one in the world, South Africa ranked four, and Scotland ranked five. 
at the moment. So you've got three of the top five in the world in one pool. And then New Zealand and France ranked two and three in, in another pool. And those two pools playing off in the quarterfinal. So, you know, by definition, three of the top five sides in the world are not going to be in the semifinals. And, and that's a shame. And, but it is what it is. But it, it makes the intensity of those quarterfinal matches uh, extraordinary. I mean, I, I'm prepared to put my neck out there and, and suggest that the, the winner of those, the winners of those two quarterfinals, I think, are the most likely teams to contest the, the World Cup final. Hang on there, Maddie. We'll take a very quick break. Um, we'll come back with Maddie Pierce, our super sport in South Africa, right after a quick break. Welcome back in. We are rejoining and we thank him for holding on the line. Matty Pierce out of Supersport in South Africa. We're talking about uh, the rugby championship that they're part of up in the Northern Hemisphere with the Stormers taking on Munster, which at a sold-out stadium in South Africa, which is just wonderful. More specifically now, the, the Springboks, Matty. Um, we're trying to pick our All Blacks team this far out, who's the squad's going to be, etc. It's always hard in World Cup year to name some new caps. Um, do we have a Nihi Scudder in our midst? Um, th- there's talks about um, Lester Whanganuku, even Levi Almua. Will we see a new halfback? Will we see a new hooker? How balanced or how easy is it for the selectors to pick the Springbok squads this year? Are, are you blessed with depth or... Is there some areas of concern for you for the Springbok jerseys? I'm going to say, uh, and it's it, it's it's not to sound overconfident. I, I I do think we are blessed with depth. Honestly, I do. I think there were some concerning positions, and I would say arguably the most concerning of those was number ten uh, for a while because Andre Pollard was out for a long period uh, with an injury. But the last seven or eight weeks of the English Premiership, he was in absolutely outstanding form. I would say he was probably the form fly half of that English Premiership competition. Now, unfortunately, uh, they lined up against Sale in the semi-final of the Premiership, and he was named to play, um, but picked up a, a... a little strain uh, the day before the match and had to withdraw. But I spoke to him uh, late last week and he said it was a couple of weeks uh, that he would not be able to train fully. Uh, The box have had a camp already uh, for those who did not have club or franchise commitments. Uh, They're having another one next week, and then they go fully into camp on the 12th of June. And that'll be when they start their their rugby championship and World Cup preparations in earnest. So I think 10 was potentially concerning uh, because Elton Yankees, who was at the previous World Cup, he's only been playing uh, Division Two in Japan and uh, there was some some concern over him. But uh, I think the big thing is the the, the time that was given in the absence of Pollard to Damien Willemser in the number 10 jersey on the end-of-year tour, the November Internationals last year. uh, He put in some outstanding performances at 10. Uh, And we've also seen the emergence of the Stormers fly half, uh, Marnie Libok, who 
two years consecutively now as the top point scorer in the United Rugby Championship, uh, the, the, the new franchise club competition, mm-hmm. and made a test debut at the back end of last year. He played, he got three test caps uh, against um, against France, Italy, and England, and has really been in outstanding form. Man of the match in the URC quarterfinal against the Bulls. Man of the match two Saturdays ago in the semi-final against Connacht. Uh, outstanding fly half. So he's really come into form. And then Willemse is there. And the beauty of a Damien Willemse is that he covers 10, 12, and 15 uh, almost seamlessly, much like uh, a France Stain uh, has done in the past for South Africa. So he brings that incredible versatility and then you look at the likes of Chesman Colby and Kirkley Orenso, who are both uh, equally at home on the wing or at fullback. We've got this youngster, Kanan Moody, just just turned 20 years old, made his test debut in the rugby championship in, in Australia last year in Sydney, uh, scoring a try on debut. So amongst the back three, we're just, we've got oodles there. You know, Makazola Mapimpi is, is still in the mix. Uh, in the midfield, Lucanio Am, Damien Delendi, but then Willemse to to fill in there as well. Jesse Creel's still around. I've spoken about the tens. Uh, we've got a number of of really good nines, and then yeah, I mean we we are blessed with uh, with with forwards as well. So uh, barring you know serious injury, I mean there were I guess two major injury concerns. Um, the one being Eben Etzebeth, who we're told uh, should be ready for the back end of the rugby championship, which will give him, uh, you know, maybe the two tests against Argentina. Not sure if he'll be ready uh, for Australia and New Zealand at the front end. Um, but, you know, he looks as though he'll be fit. Um, I don't know if you've noticed uh, the, the the Viking as he's become known, Ergia Sneiman. He's back and playing for Munster after two incredibly frustrating knee injuries. I mean, Sneiman is a freak of an athlete. Um, A a huge man, great speed, great offloading skill, and made enormous impact in his first two years of Test Rugby, but the last time he played a Test was the World Cup final Mm. in 2019, and and he's subsequent to that done two uh, ACL injuries on his knees so that's sort of nine months each of recovery time but he's back he's playing he's playing in the final this weekend in Cape Town for Munster so there's, there's good depth in the second row I mean the major major concern is is the captain uh, Sia Colisi who he he did it he's he's had a knee operation and you know everything is being done to, to get him back but I, I think Another key thing, staff, is that a rugby World Cup squads are 33 this time around, not 31. Mm-hmm. And the coaching staff have been making the point, you know, if, if there's a chance that a player of that significance and that influence can play and play himself into fitness during a World Cup, you know, you, you probably take him um, because there are a lot of players in this Springbok environment, if you think about it, uh, if I name some names, I'm sure they'll come flooding back to the New Zealand audience, but the, the likes of a Thomas Detoy, Trevor and Yakani, they can both play loose head and tight head. Franco Mostert and Peter Steph Detoy can both play 
uh, blindside flank or in the second row. So there's a, there's, there's a lot of versatility there. Um, and it gives you that luxury of maybe taking uh, an extra player or two. It'll be interesting to see how they deploy uh, those extra two players. So, look, all in all, uh, there are uh, there are injury concerns here and there. And I think, you know, we, we can't kid ourselves. There, there are going to be six highly intense physical test matches before the opening game of the World Cup. And it, it's almost a certainty that you pick up one or two injuries along the way as well. And, and that's the same for any country. But, you know, you can't afford to go into, for example, that test against New Zealand at Twickenham. You know, you want to be going with the 23 that are going to play your opening World Cup game, don't you? Because you've still then got two weeks. Uh, you don't want to be going into your opening game of the World Cup, whether you're New Zealand or South Africa, uh, with a player who hasn't experienced the rigors of Test Rugby for three weeks prior. So I think we're going to see full-strength sides in, in that encounter. I, it wouldn't surprise me. And and that final audition, if you like, for for the opening weekend of World Cup, but it, it, it's going to be fascinating. Can't wait. Um, but as I said before, you know, it's been four years since I had an authentic mince and cheese pie and a peanut slab. I was going so, to say, do I have to contact we, Whitakers to tell them of your pending move over here and make sure, make sure there's plenty in stock? <laughs> I've informed them already. <laughs> I, as, as, as soon as the flight was booked. I'm only there for five days, Steph, but I'm bringing a large suitcase. Oh, top man, <laughs> top man. Matty Pearce, uh, geez, I've left it too long to catch up with you. Love talking rugby. And uh, the, the one thing I'll, I'll, I'll depart on is I think the lack of our competition, uh, meaningful competition on the rugby field and the Super Rugby against our beloved um, rivals with South African franchises, I think it just whets the appetite even more for All Black Springbok rugby. Yeah, I cannot wait. I'd agree with that. Mm. I, I agree with that. And and you know, if we let so let's focus on the positives. I mean, yes, there have been uh, some disappointments in in the departure uh, in some respects, but I I totally agree. I think uh, you know, just the the sense of anticipation around Springbok All Black games henceforth is is just going to be intensified even more if that was possible. Mm. So, uh, yeah, can't wait. 15th of July, Mount Smart. Never been there. <laughs> now you so. will. Brilliant, Matty. Thanks for joining <laughs> us out of South Africa, my friend. I really appreciate you taking some time to chat to us today and to the New Zealand rugby fans as well. It's a pleasure, Steph. Always good. And, you know, just to remind you of, of the time difference, you enjoy the rest of your day with a cup of coffee and I'm off to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Matty Pearce there out of uh, Supersport over there in South Africa. Trevor Welch in New Zealand, and we'll catch up then. Cheers, mate. Oh, the great man, Matty Pearce. Really keen on your feedback on his thoughts on South African rugby. They're going to be a big, big challenge. Big, big challenge. Lots of depth. 0800 Lines are open. Keen to take your calls after the news with Johnny Mack. Uh, just a couple of quick text messages that came in during my chat with Maddie. What happened to the Cheetahs? Uh, the Cheetahs are still going. They're just not in the European competition. They're in the Curry Cup. I think there was only room for four of them. 
So there's the, uh, the Lions, the Sharks, the Stormers and the Bulls, but the Cheetahs are still in the Curry Cup. Staffy, does Malakai Fekitoa play for Munster and are there any other Kiwis there? Um, yes, he plays for Munster. He'll be playing in the final this weekend. He'll also be playing for Tonga at the Rugby World Cup as well, but no other Kiwis in there. I think there's about three South Africans, a couple of Brits. Um, oh, what's that guy's name? Joey... Uh, there's a Kiwi-born guy, Joey Carberry. Um, never played for. I think it, they shifted to the uh, to Ireland when he was about ten or eleven. Uh, New Zealand-born, born in Dargaville. He's in the squad as well. But that's it. That, that's the only links over there. Uh, but anyway, uh, really good chat with Matty Pierce. Keen to get your thoughts on his comments. We go to Graham. G'day, Graham. G'day, mate. What a great interview, bloody great interview, man. Uh, like really enlightening mm. and quite. Scary, quite scary, actually, Steph. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm truly honest, I'm probably going over to the World Cup. Nice. I've got, um, I'm, well, I'm not sure. It's a bit touch and go at the moment. Had a bit of a cancer scare and things haven't gone too well. But um, uh, I've got a brother who lives in France and blah, blah, blah. I can, I can do it. But, anyway, but I'm, I go back to Sam Hewitt in September last year. And he's and I still think he's right. We'll be quarterfinal after that conversation. Mm. What we've just had, we'll be quarterfinalists, and that'll be it, mate. Because that that was a that was a really enlightening interview. And the reason I say that is, if you go back to 2019 with Steve Hansen, I couldn't believe he left out Owen Franks, one of our toughest, hardest, hard-working props we've, we've probably ever produced, and he didn't take him to the world. World Cup, and his reasoning was that he didn't get off the ground quick enough to, you know, to get up and make the reset, make the next tackle. Mm. We got blo- we got blown away by 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 England in the semi final just by power scrumming. Their lineout was better, their lifters were better, and that's and that is what Owen Franks is renowned for: his power scrumming, etc. Shred. And I don't think Ian Foster, you know, he won't pick up. You'll take Tyrell Lomax, blah blah blah. Mm. But I watched Owen Franks. The other day for the Hurricanes against the Chiefs, he hit a ruck. When it was bent over the ball, two players went in to try and shift him, and he was just sat there like a staple, mate. They <laughs> couldn't even budge him. You know, it was unbelievable stuff. Hey, I re-round it three or four times. I thought, this is unreal. Like, that's the sort of guy, after listening to that, again, going back to that conversation and what Sam said last year, that, that you needed a World Cup, just a hard ass, you know, someone who just doesn't get shifted. You might not be the quickest guy around the paddock or off the, up to get the next, but does his core role properly? And we're going to have to do it properly against Ireland, Argentina, South Africa, England, and that's scrummaging. So that so that reinforces again, if we don't if we don't take specialists, you know, props, special props, locks, wingers, centres. Get Rico out on the wing, the best winger in the world playing centre. If we don't take specialists, Sam's bang on the money, man. We, we, won't, we won't get past the quarterfinals because those guys over there, are, we've been bagging Northern Hemisphere rugby for 30 years of staff. Mm. Well, we can't bag them anymore, mate. The, the rugby is just top quality because all our coaches are there and half our good players. And yeah, we've seen the improvement of France and Ireland and now... The South African teams, admittedly not internationally, but the, the international players are being involved in that environment, playing, as I mentioned, they're playing Welsh teams, Irish teams, English teams, and developing a much more holistic game, whereas New Zealanders, we're stuck down here playing each other. We all play the same style, slight variations. It could be a big wake-up. 
Oh, I, I totally agree. And, and, and look, and we're, it's getting played in France, mate. 80,000 people you're yelling at you, calling you, telling you you're a wanker and all the rest of it. Like, it's just going to be, you need to be a hard-ass, eh? And I don't think we've got Sam Wadlock and Retallick, Cody Taylor and Dane Coles, if he goes. They can't do it by themselves, eh? They, these young guys are going to have to really step up and just, yeah, I just think it's quite fascinating. It was a really, really good interview. Good on you, mate. Jeez, Cheers, mate. Please, you enjoyed good it. On. Thank you. There's Graham. We'll go to Christchurch. Mikey, g'day, buddy. Oh, g'day. How you doing? Good. Yeah, I couldn't agree with Graham more. Absolutely. We do need everyone in their absolute positions if we're going to have any chance. That was a um, fascinating chat and ominous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like sitting there going, oh, starting to really almost doubt the team a little bit because... Uh, these guys are getting... I mean, did you see that La Rochelle-Leinster yes. game by any chance? Yes, I watched that because oh, I heard it was I'm, so good, I watched the replay. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, that's what, exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I mean, besides just the crowd, the physicality of the game... And the speed. ...was almost frightening. The speed of transfer speed. through hands, the flat line, but still the speed of pass to get beyond the defence. I'm just like, wow. So I watched this morning, I watched some highlights of the Stormers because they're playing in the big final this weekend. I mean, I know it's club rugby, but geez, they they are clinical and rapid. And this this is a, like I I desperately miss the South Africans being in the um, Super Rugby competition. Mm. Um, I don't blame them for what they've done, but at the same time, it just I mean, yes, it, it's going to be a massive wake up call. I mean, oh, I'm freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> and here's um, the thing too: South hey, Africa they went from five super teams to four European teams, and that condenses talent, and that's made them good. Yeah, yeah. Um, the good the good news about you know having having those hard players, Ethan Blackout is going to be back. Mm. He's hard nosed. That's the sort of things we need. And yeah, please, for someone just get Rico on that wing. You know, let's 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 worry about like a proper centres doing that stuff and get Rico on the wing. Um, I think we will. I don't know. This this whole championship is going to be interesting. It's going to put a real sort of marker out there of like where where are we now? Um, hey mate, and, and the other thing man. is, if if we underperform in the championship, it's going to force change. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think I think it's going to have to force. I think Fozzie's got it's force change now. Has to be surely. Mm. Like if you're in charge of selection of that, you must be looking around the world at what they're doing. Um, we're seeing it with our eyes. They must be seeing that with their selector eyes and going, okay, this is what we need to do, surely. Yeah, here's the thing, well, Mikey. I mentioned in that interview, I did, I did a Q&A with Ian Foster last Thursday night, and um, there was Chatham House rules, so he told some stuff that I won't share, but I'm sure he won't mind me sharing sure. this. He watches more Northern Hemisphere rugby than Southern Hemisphere rugby because they're the movers okay. and shakers. That was, that was an honesty call, because a guy just said, we used to be the innovators and the rest of the world catch up. He said, I feel like the Northern Hemisphere are innovators and we're trying to catch up. And he said, I'll take that as an insult with a grin on his face. And he said, look, reality is they are ahead of us. And we, he, said, he is watching and ways to combat them. And it's not where we want to be, but that's the realistic thing. And Fozzie admits it, and I think that's great. And he's watching a heap of that Northern Hemisphere stuff. So, so, so that's, that, that is actually very interesting because, I mean, he's copped a lot of criticism, certainly mm. from me. Mm. Um, not that he would care about my opinion, um, but, you know, a lot, lot of other callers. So do you feel then after that that he will, he will make the changes? I do. I, do, I don't. 
I don't think there'll be many new caps that a lot of people are screaming for new caps because this is World Cup. Yeah. If it was a non-World Cup year, I think he might experiment a bit, but we can't experiment in World Cup year. Um, he said in not so many uncertain terms, don't expect lots of debutants this year. Mm. Mm. There we go. There we go. All right. Good on you, Very Mikey. Good. Thank you, mate. See you, boy. Cheers. There's Mikey, 0800 Give us a yell. Uh, text uh, from the great man Kent uh, Staffy good interview that will be uh, they will be our biggest challenge uh, more than France but with them out of super makes the test matches against them like the old days just brilliant yes Ken I agree um, I'm very excited for all black Springboks. also a little weary um, would it be better for us to spank them or would it be better for us long term that they spanked us or beat us Oh, couldn't answer that question. No. Um, I actually got a text from my my mum, bless her, uh, during the interview, who is a massive rugby head, and she just said, when you hear a South African like Matty Pearce talking in just that calm, confident way, it does make you nervous. because He, he wasn't bullish, he was measured. No, and, and you've got to think, I think back to, was it 2017 when we beat them by 50-odd points at North Harbour Stadium? Was that 2017-ish, around that time? And all the conversation out South Africa, like you could tell they were worried. They were worried about where the team was, where the the sort of game was heading, and there was this chat about Super Rugby. But now you talk to them, and they they talk like they're the number one team in the world. Mm. They're they're sort of like us Mm. five years ago, aren't they? Mm. Five or six years ago. Um, And we had this discussion out in the office, and we may not even have time to relitigate it here, Steph, but we had the discussion about whether or not you are looking forward to this game more because we don't play them, or whether you used to look forward to it heaps because we did used to play all these Super Rugby teams and you wanted to see how that translated to a Springboks All Blacks encounter. I'm sort of a little bit in the middle, but but the fact that we just don't play those Super Rugby teams anymore has to be, as you've said with Fozzie, has to be um, to the detriment of of the games that we play against them now. Mm. They've got, I mean, and they're playing the Northern Hemisphere. They're playing much stronger opposition in that United Rugby Championship than our Kiwi teams are. Oh, and apart the from playing each other. Of- Opposition. Correct. It's the variety that gets me. And when Ian Foster said, you know, um, we're just playing each other down here. Yes, there's yep. some good clashes, but if you look at Super Rugby and let's look at the Chiefs or Crusade, our, our top teams, how many of the 14 games or whatever they've had have been stiff challenges? Mm-hmm. 20%. Yep. How many in um, the United Rugby Championship are stiff challenges? 70%. Rest and rotation, do they do it up in the north? No. <laughs> And the top two, I mean, Munster and the Stormers finished third and fifth or sixth on the table. Leinster had only lost one match. They'd only lost one match the whole season, but they got biffed out. It's a really tough, full-capacity stadiums, mimicking a Rugby World Cup atmosphere. These teams are getting prepared. I'm not writing us off. We're a very good rugby side, but I think preparation-wise... I think the other nations have got it on us. We've got a few test matches before the, that opening game, France All Blacks, and I get that. But, geez, we're going to have to put our foot down hard and be impressive. Really, really important test matches building up to that very first match, New Zealand versus France. Got some more text messages. I'll get to them after a break. Uh, some text messages, one from Chris saying, apart from a fully fit Anton Leonard-Brown, I don't think anyone can replace Rico at centre. Thank you, Chris. Uh, from Ken, Staffy of Graham and Mikey think Fozzie will put Rico on the wing. They're kidding themselves. He's played 13 for the last two years and he's the best we've got in New Zealand and we will win the cup. And I'd say the whole squad that went north at the end of the year will be there. Thank you, Ken. 
And I, I, I think people saying, Ken, and I'm probably paraphrasing and it might be inaccurate, when they're saying, Ricky, you only need to play on the wing, that's not saying he's a terrible centre. It's saying he's a brilliant wing. I think that's what they're saying. Uh, Staffy, do you have an injury update on Ruben Love and George Bell, both future All Black prospects, I think? Ruben Love I have concerns about. I have a lot of concerns about. Um, I understand his injury took a lot longer, or is it taking a lot longer? But I haven't had an update for about a month. But, um, yeah, my understanding a month ago was quite bad. Um, anyway, we'll take some news and some sport and some weather. Here's Johnny Mac. Just going past one o'clock here on the afternoons with Staffy. We're here till three and then running it straight. We'll be with you three till four. Sammy and Kempi bringing, bringing you that. Um, and we've got one of the Johns boys. Which one have we got? Joey. Woo! Joey John's on running it straight. Joe, there's a big rugby league offering for you this week. Uh, not only the regular running straight, but a special running it straight. Uh, live from... What's the name of the place in uh, Napier, Sammy? Three Wise Birds down there in Hawke's Bay. Three till five. I think you're on here, Sammy. I finally got one right. Three till five. And then there'll be a build-up show to the game. Of course, the Warriors and Broncos. In fact, Sammy, fill us in. What, what, you got so much league this week. It's so <laughs> exciting. Yeah, no, it's a big old week. Um, so, yeah, like you mentioned, three wise birds, three to five on Friday. Come down if you're in Napier. Um, come down to three wise birds. Uh, grab a drink. We're going to be doing the show. There's going to be a lot of people there. Um, I think there's some of the Warriors uh, sort of legends there as well. They're going to jump on here with us. We're hoping to have a couple of big former Broncos names as well on the show. So you want to come down and just experience a bit of a pub show, which will be a lot of fun. And then, obviously, Saturday, uh, kickoff at 7.30. I think we're on here at 6. Uh, kickoff at 7.30. Live commentary at Napier was it uh, not McLean Park was it McLean Park in Napier um, yeah and look I know a lot of the other shows across SENZ are planning big big guests over the next couple of days um, so expect to hear those and uh, yeah just talking a lot of league rugby league yeah. oh jeez I'd love to be at that Hawks Bay game gonna and, be, I, and yeah. I hear it's nearly sold out or I think it is sold out actually it sold out. and it's going to be actually interesting I think it's going to be a little bit closer than people think um, just with no Egan um, and no um, mind blank Mitch Dylan Barney. Walker oh, no Dylan, Dylan Walker and no Egan um, and you know get, given that uh, Brisbane are welcoming back Adam Reynolds as well uh, could be a little bit closer than people think but I, I am still back in the wires up the wires mm. up the wires um, hey Steffi what's the story with Scott McLeod nothing has been said he has been with the coaching team for a long time. Not too sure how long. Must have a huge knowledge bank. Is he in the current All Black setup? He's not. Is he? I don't think he is. I don't know what's going to happen with him. I actually don't know. Um, good, good, good poser. Good posing question. Um, of course, we are right at the very end of the NBA season. In fact, there's a game going on at the moment with Miami leading 31-23, and of course Boston. Um, they're down 3-0. They need to win this one. They're in the Miami Heat gym. 
31-25. Boston need to win to keep this series going. But yesterday, the series wrapped up with the Lakers and the Denver New Jays, I'd like to call them. And joining us now, now he's Michael Duarte. He is an award-winning journalist. He works for NBC, a whole lot of things. And he's he's one of the best sports journalists out of the West Coast. And Andrew, uh, not Andrew, Andrew Durante, Michael Durante. Mate, I'm sorry about that. Um, the Lakers are bundled. And I guess we crossed to you with just a little bit of a tinge of sadness that the Lakers are gone. Yeah, it's, it's perfect to speak to my, my mates out in New Zealand uh, to put a punctuation mark on this Lakers season. I don't know if you listen to like EDM or hip-hop music, but to <laughs> quote Fred again, in future, it's time to turn out the lights on the Lakers. And so I'm happy to do that with you, Mike. One player that refuses to turn the lights off or has so far is, of course, the most talked about basketballer in recent times anyway, LeBron James. He looked pretty dejected post-match yesterday. Um, He's going to take some time to think about it, I'm sure. Um, I was going to talk to you about his future towards the end of our chat, but let's do it now. Where do you think LeBron will be at? Yeah, I like that we segued right into that. And, uh, you know... I hope it is not. I hope we're not turning the lights out on LeBron James's career. Could be go down in history as the greatest player of all time. I know a lot of people like myself think Michael Jordan uh, wears that mantle and that crown. But um, you know, I, I was there live during the post-game press conference last night, and LeBron James just—he seemed to be really emotional. He seemed to be mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually exhausted and drained. And I think if you were to ask him right there in that moment last night, as soon as the game ended, even after his historic performance on the court, uh, he would probably tell you that, uh, that he, would, he was leaning towards retirement. Now, I don't think ultimately he will, and I'll tell you why in a second. But first, I just want to say, you know, the guy played 48 minutes last night, every single minute of the game scored 40 points, 10 rebounds, nine assists, one assist shy of a triple-double at the age of 38 in his 20th season after being injured several times this year on a roller coaster ride of a season, I might add, that started 2-10, giving the Lakers a 0.3% chance of making the playoffs. Not only to come back from a serious foot injury that doctors here in Los Angeles told him he'd have to get surgery and his season was going to be over. He didn't listen to them. He flew to Germany and met what he called the LeBron James of feet, uh, and they got that, that right tent, foot tendon back on its way, and he was able to finish the season and obviously make this run to the Western Conference Finals. So uh, I saw in his postgame press conference definitely some apprehension when it came to his future. Every single time someone like myself in the media asked him if he was going to be back next year or what he thought the roster would look like next year, he paused and he would bite his lip and he'd kind of look out into space and that was an indicator of me of, you know, he really didn't know what his future held for him. And I want to note something. I'm not sure if you guys in New Zealand got this news yesterday, but another great player who happens to be LeBron James' best friend is Carmelo Anthony. Mm. And he announced his retirement before game four uh, on Monday night. And he did it with a video uh, he posted on his social media. And in this video, he, talks to, he was talking to the camera from his living room uh, in his house in New York. And they were showing all these highlights of his career. And then at the end of the video, it was his son. And Carmelo Anthony was saying, my legacy will live on through you. And now it's your turn. It's your time. 
And knowing LeBron saw that Monday afternoon before the game and knowing how he feels about his son, Bronny James, who just announced he would be playing at, at my alma mater, USC, basketball next season, uh, and his son Bryce, who's in high school, a sophomore in high school now, uh, who plays in Studio City, California, not too far from, from my house and where I'm at right now. Um, to me, his, I think seeing that video and seeing what Carmelo said, I think it, it, it got to him. It resonated with him, mm. meaning I think he realizes, you know, maybe it is time for his son uh, and the next generation. But ultimately now to bring this full circle, Mark, I think he will come back next year for that same reason. The ability to play in Los Angeles, to play with Anthony Davis, to, to build off of this roster and what they were able to do at the trade deadline where they went from 13th place and five games below 500 all the way to, to seventh place and, and all the way to the Western Conference Finals. You know, every game of this Western Conference Finals was close. It was down to one possession in the fourth quarter. So it wasn't like the margin of difference was that that great. It wasn't like they got blown out by the Nuggets every game. To me, if the Lakers can retool the roster, bring in some more star power around LeBron James and Anthony Davis, bring back some of the core key pieces on this team, I think the lure of being able to stay in L.A., go for another championship, and be able to go watch his sons play at nearby USC and nearby Studio City, I think that will be too important for, for LeBron. And you know, even though he was dejected and sad last night, he has been saying for years, his goal is to play with his son. So he just has to do two more years to be able to play with Bronny. Uh, and I think we will see that eventually happen. The thing I always find the public opinion, and they, they seem to have a strong opinion, you know, LeBron, his time's up, his time's up. And I'm like, hang on a minute. LeBron isn't as good as he used to be, but he's still, and to coin a famous uh, golf commentary, he's better than most. And he still would get in a starting five of any team in the league. And the fact that he's not as good and as powerful or whatever as he was maybe five, six, seven years ago, he's still better than most. He's a generational player. And now it's up to the to LeBron to find that desire. Does he want to do it and all that sort of thing. Your indications they are. We've had a guy on our station yesterday. He thought he might take a year out, get his body completely repaired, see where Bronny signs and go there as a free agent. Doesn't need the money. Let me play with my son. Maybe, maybe. I, I mean, I was reading an article today that says if he were to retire and walk away, he would lose $100 million. Uh, I know for a guy who's worth over a billion in LeBron James, $100 million doesn't sound like a lot. But to you and I, you know, that is a lot. And I don't think he will walk away from that. But to, to your mate's point, I think he's going to take this entire off. Tom Brady used to say, because obviously Tom Brady retired and then unretired and came back and then retired again, that you can't make an emotional decision. You know, mm. you need to make a decision after you've had time to reflect, to think about it. And right now it's, it's too emotional and too soon to make a decision after having gone through this kind of draining season, both physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, like I said. So I think he takes the, the summer he lets his body heal and recuperate. He might still have to get surgery on that foot, and that could come into play for his decision. And, and maybe instead of missing the whole season, he misses the first couple months of the season while he heals from that foot injury and tries to get healthy. But to that point, I think he will try to get 100% healthy before he returns. But I do think 
he'll ultimately come back, especially if the Lakers are able to to bring back some pieces and make this roster a potentially championship contender again. And to your point, LeBron James told me this um, not last night, but you know earlier in the season. He said that he still believes he's better than 90% of the players in the NBA. Mm. He said maybe even 95%. And to your point, when you watched a guy last night who scored 31 points in the first half, a career playoff high for a guy who's 38 years old playing his 20th season, uh, and he ultimately ends up scoring 40, like I said, one assist shy of a triple-double, uh, to me, that is a guy who absolutely is better than 90 to 95% of the players in this league. And as long as you're playing at that level, if he can mentally get in the right mindset, and, and this is the thing back in the day with Brett Favre, who, you, who was an American footballer, he did not want to go through the practices and the training camps. He wanted to play the games. He was a comp- competitor, but he didn't want to go through all of the stuff you have to do to get your body right and get in and get in shape to play in those games. That, to me, is what I think is wearing on LeBron. LeBron will always want to play basketball. That's what he loves and what he's best at. But it is those the, the hours put into his body to, to get his skill level at that level, to get his body able to play at that level, that's what's exhausting in this sport. And going through months of training camp and practices and everything, that's what he, I'm, I'm sure he's thinking about right now. Does he want to go through all that again just to play maybe 50, 60 games? But I still think ultimately we'll see him opening night in a Lakers uniform. Perfect, perfect. Uh, finally, Michael Duarte is joining us out of Los Angeles. It'd be remiss of me not to be a little bit self-indulgent about my cousin, Matt Stafford, who's uh, part of the Rams, and I wear the Rams jersey with Stafford written on the back proudly. Do you get do you get to chat to him? Like, you're pretty well entrenched in the sports scene over there. Absolutely, and, you know, I used to live in Calabasas up until about a month ago, and that's where Matt Stafford lives as well, just uh, about less than a mile from my old house in Hidden Hills. So, uh, not only do I get to chat with, with your cousin, Matt Stafford, uh, all the time at, at Rams practices and during games, but I've seen him in the city that we live in, in the little town that we live in uh, quite often. And so you want to talk about guys who might have retired. There was a lot of rumors that Matthew Stafford was going to retire after this really bad Rams season. But after talking to him, uh, he's now fully healthy. He's going to have an entire off season to throw the ball because he had shoulder a shoulder issue last year that didn't allow him to practice or do any throws until the season began. He's ready to come back and he's ready to prove that last season was an anomaly and that the Rams can actually you know maybe make a run and get back to the playoffs, even though a lot of people don't think they can. Well, you tell him his cousin down here, Mark, down in New Zealand, says, "Let's go, Rams." Well, I've got them all the way. I will. You hundred percent. I will. I'll make. It, I'll make. You need to send a Stafford uh, footballer jersey from from down there in New Zealand to him, and I'll get it to him. Perfect. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Michael Duarte, this is the best interview I've done for months. I'm loving it. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome, and uh, have a good one. See you guys. Oh, we're having a good one. I tell you what, Boston fans are having a good one because they've uh, edged in front of the Miami Heat, and as I say, it's at the Miami Heat home. Home stadium, it's 39-36, although the Heat have just got a layup, 39-38. Six minutes, 20 to go, second period. Um, we'd like this to go a little bit longer. We don't want to have to wait a whole week before before the big dance starts. Uh, so Boston, resplendent in their emerald green, fighting for their absolute playoff and title life at the moment. As some bloke just dribbles it on his foot and it shoots out over the, over the baseline. All right, uh, Awesome to chat. We had some good chats. If you if you've just joined us, 
um, and you were with the Rural Roundup for the first hour, 12 to 1. We had Matty Pearce on. He is, um, I'd never say it in front of him, but he's South Africa's equivalent of Grant Nisbet. He's their lead rugby rugby union caller. And he gave us an update on how South African rugby's going and to, I guess, to uh, bullet point it. They struggled the first year once after departing Super Rugby and going into the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, they've adjusted quite well. Four teams are in uh, the rugby championship up there, taking on the teams from the home nations. Uh, I think their lowest placing of the four teams was ninth at the end of the season, ninth out of 16. They had two in the top six. And Stormers will play the final this weekend against Munster, which uh, has Malakai Fekatoa in its ranks. But rugby fans, uh, the disconnect, it's just like familiarisation has dropped with South African rugby because we don't play them all the time. And Matty actually said it's the first time he's coming to New Zealand for four years this year when we take on the Springboks at Go Media Stadium Mount Smart, um, All Black Springboks test. Do go back and listen on the podcast to Maddie. Um, a quiet confidence, calm confidence, not overconfidence, not exuberance, but he's pretty happy with the, where they are just a few months out from the Rugby World Cup. And then, of course, we just spoke to um, American basketball and other sport writer Michael Duarte, award-winning journalist there on the career of LeBron James, and he said he doesn't think he'll hang up the boots. He could well return next year maybe have an operation on that troublesome foot, etc. We'll keep you up to date with all the sporting info as the afternoon unfolds. Remember, running it straight, coming to you from 3 till 4, and then the run home will take you through 4 to 7. And just a little update to you from next week, afternoons will be going 12 till 3, and the run home 3 till 6. So every show from next week will be three hours long. Right, well-earned break. Let's take it. I actually just remembered, Sammy, that um, um, Robinho yes. has gone to Boston. True. So we need Boston to win this for we Robinho. Crossed over, throw it up. Come on. 47-44 to oh, Miami at the moment. Three minutes, 20 to go. Bad second shots quarter. by Boston. So Robinho, our, our reliable helper who, who straddles so many shows here, he's gone off. Huge basketball fan, huge Boston fan. He was weighing up. You know, a few weeks ago, make sure they make play. Right, I'll go over for game five. So he's got tickets to game five and game seven. Now they'll be refundable if those games don't go ahead. But he's gone. He 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 lands in Boston tonight. I think. I'm actually surprised he got tickets to an Eastern Conference final. That's six hundred bucks. Really? For both? Yeah. Now for each. Jeepers, he's been uh, he's been putting some shifts in here at SCNZ, hasn't he? <laughs> he's uh, been saving for fifteen years. Is he? Yeah, I don't, so, but I, waiting for them to get to the get to the finals. No, to save six hundred bucks. Well, they made, of course, they made the o, the overall finals last year, didn't they? Yeah, but um, he he, he labelled this year. I mean, they're the number two seed coming into this. They've been saying this is the is that a foul as well? They've been saying this is the final year for Boston, eh? If we don't get it this year, where there's a rebuild coming, players leaving, mm. um, you got a limited window. Finney, you you what team do you support? Unfortunately, the Los Angeles Clippers. Oh, the Clippers, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Really unfortunate, but yeah. yeah. Unfortunate for them or for you? Me. Very <laughs> unfortunate for me. We've never made the uh, finals before, Steph. Wow. Yeah. We've had, we've had one uh, like conference never, finals never. appearance. Never made the finals, so, one conference finals I, appearance. I'm always interested in those sorts of organisations because in these sorts of sports, well, maybe not basketball, but certainly those salary cap sports where it's designed so that teams, you know, the good teams are rotating to the bottom and the bottom teams are rotating up. So what? why haven't the Clippers ever made the finals? 
I as an organisation? Are they just terribly run? I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> we had Doc Rivers for a while, and we all know what happens to him. And he's had he's had one championship, and then he's kind of not done very well in other aspects. Um, I don't know. Injuries has probably been the main cause of us not having a very successful season the last three or four years since we got Kawhi and PG. But sure, yeah. I also, I also think the name sucks. Clippers, oh. yeah. Is what, it clipper, what's a clipper? Is it, Are they like hair clippers? Yeah, like hair clippers. Or they clippers what's like a clipper? like a like a paper clip. No idea. Is it like a because it's the staple centre, right? So is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Is it to do with hair clips or paper clips? And there's a class of boat, the clipper class in boating. There is that. Yeah. Uh, what else? Clipper like clipping the ticket. I guess it's just a, like a hole punch. Um, where do you sit on LeBron James, Steph? I don't know if I've ever had this conversation with you. Um, you mean world ranking and all that sort of thing? No, I just mean in terms of how you view LeBron James. Oh, look, I I always admire people that can be at the absolute top of the game. Mm. Longevity in game for me is incredible. The amount of work and discipline. What is he? Twenty years in the league, and as um, as I mentioned with Michael Duarte, he, in fact, he said LeBron said last year, "I still believe I'm in the top ninety uh, to ninety-five. Oh, I'm better than ninety to ninety-five percent of the players in the NBA." And I agree, he is. And I said. He was one assist off a triple-double last night, played every single minute at 38 years of age. He starts in any NBA team. He starts. And that's why I have an issue with the sporting public say, look, you know, he's on the decline, he's on the way down, it's time to hang them up. He's still one of the best five players in the NBA now. Mm. Um, and I said in the interview, like, he's not as good as he was five, six, seven, eight years ago, nine years ago. He, he's not as good. But he's still better than most. And he is. You don't retire when you're better. It's now up to him. It's not up to me say, oh, man, I wish LeBron had retired. He's nowhere near as good. He's not, but he's way better than nearly all of them. And so you're a LeBron fan, obviously. I'm a Re- LeBron respecter. I don't like how he drops his lip and he remonstrates with umpires that he got a bad call. He just got a basketball call. Mm. He just got a basketball call. Um, he's got a little bit of that entitledness about him. But you Calls could, himself the king. Yeah, but you could argue he that's okay. Well, the funny thing is, and look here, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I do love, there's one thing I do love in this world, Staff, and that is winding up LeBron James fans. Kieran Bingham's one of them. Finn Basimo's another one. Um, but one thing I will argue is I I do find it funny that people, um, and I'm sometimes guilty of this, but I do find it people find it funny that people really go at LeBron because um, you know he's real cocky and he's arrogant and he it's all about him and he's the superstar and he calls himself the king. Well, to be honest, MJ did the same thing, called himself the goat. We you watch the the, the last dance documentary, but he, he was. Yeah, but you watch the last Dark documentary and he's talking about how, you know, this guy said he was better than me. I took it personally and I dominated him and this is what I did. And you think about, you know, at the Bulls, he was the guy, he was the personality, he was the the number one, sometimes to the detriment of guys like Scottie Pippen. So it's funny because MJ was a pretty similar personality, but is revered as the greatest of all time. And, mm. and pe- but, but MJ does have his, he did have his haters back then and he does have them now. It's a uh, it's a fierce debate that'll continue for a long time, Steph. I don't know. You tell me if there's a sport that has such a debate around two two players being the number one. I know. Maybe tennis, but that's sort of three now as well with with Novak, yeah, see, Rafa, and Roger. But, but see, with tennis, you chuck in Rafa on clay, 
Roger on grass. True. Yep, different. Novak yep. on hardcore. Yep. You know, you can have all those. And occasionally they'll pop up and win on not their favoured surface. I mean, maybe it's because I'm old and I just sit back and say, let's just enjoy both. Let's just enjoy. You are on, yeah. I am on. <laughs> I am on. No, but yeah, I, I don't think there's a sport that has such a fierce debate about who its greatest is that's battled between two players mm. as fiercely as, as basketball. Mm. Oh, 800. Oh, 800. <laughs> um, I've just found a really, really interesting story on the Clippers. Um, they were going to change their name because they think the name Clippers is cursed. Well, look, if what Finn's saying is true about them never ever making the finals, then maybe it is a curse. Finn actually just also raised a good point of Ronaldo Messi. That's actually the other the other fierce goat oh, debate. That, yeah, because one's one's a knob <laughs> and the other one's all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> both current though, which is interesting. They're both playing at the same time. Yeah, they You're are. Not comparing and, eras. And that's pretty cool. And and I love those the, I love those battles. We saw it with um Alain Prost and Weiser, Eaton Senna, great rivalry. Schumacher didn't really have a rival. He had a couple come up and knock on his door. I love rivalries. Embrace the rivalries. Uh, we'll take a break. Uh, Johnny Mac, don't miss this. It's the current news. It's the very current sport, and it's your current weather. Johnny Mac. The Blue Highway, all roads lead to Paulie Mawadi from the TAB. It's fight night, Paulie. It's fight night. Joe Parker. <laughs> and Fanga uh, Opelu. Yes. Uh, man, Park. Parker's a very, very warm favourite. Staff, he's six. Opelu at $8 a draw at 23 So, um, as is sort of... Uh, I guess tradition. We we always take quite a bit of money on the big outsider in these boxing matches, and today's um, no no real sort of diversion from that uh, trend. There, there's uh, supporters of Opelu. They're taking the eight dollars, um, but plenty and plenty of multis um, with Joseph Parker at a dollar six in there, and the boys have put in a boosted market on the big. Uh, Boxing bout tonight. Mm. Joseph Parker wins in round one, two, or three, boosted from five out to six dollars, and that has proved very popular with punters. Is this a um, is this a ten round carded for ten round fight? This is a ten round fight. Okay. Yes, indeed it is. Well, you you want to pick the round, do you? Um. If I had to get, like, I don't know the fitness of Fang Apolu, uh, but talking to Joseph yesterday, he's very conscious. He hasn't had a knockout for a while, and that's been, I wouldn't say criticism, an observation. He's probably better suited at taking fights the distance um, without the absolute heavy hands and utilising speed more, outpointing, completely outclassing, maybe winning eight out of ten rounds. Um, so maybe a decision for me, but I just don't know what the chin of Apalu's like and his fitness to go the ten as well. Right. Well, um, Parker by points or decision is two seventy at the moment. Uh, Parker by knockout or TKO is a dollar fifty five. So maybe there's a little bit of value there for you if, if as you, um, 
if Opelu uh, does turn out to have a bit of a stamina about him, and then maybe Parker by the decision. But at the moment, that boosted option of Parker to win in the first three rounds out to six dollars has been very well received by punters. Magnificent. Where else are you boosting? Where else are you like teasing me with a chocolate covered <laughs> carrot? <laughs> well, right now you can bet live on Game Four of the Eastern Conference Finals uh, series between the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics. At halftime, the, the Heat have a six-point lead at halftime, fifty-six fifty. Um, before the game started, we took a thirty thousand dollar bet on the Heat um, at a dollar eighty or a dollar eighty, I think it was. So someone is cheering for the sweep here. Of course, it's never happened in NBA history. Both conference finals uh, ending uh, in a four nil sweep at the same time. So this will this will create history if the Heat do hang on uh, and win this. Uh, Game four in the Eastern Conference Finals, and yep, thirty thousand dollars on at a dollar eighty. They're now a dollar forty-two. The Heat, the Celtics are out to two seventy-five. Uh, they're four and a half point favourites, and the game total is currently two hundred and fifteen and a half points um, over at a dollar ninety, under at a dollar eighty-three. Don't forget the NRL this weekend as well, Steph. The Warriors, the money's on. They're taking on a depleted Broncos side. $1.42 the Warriors, two eighty the Broncos. We've got the same game claim on uh, on that match as we do on the other four NRL matches this weekend due to um, it being a split round because of Origin next Wednesday. Oh, cannot wait. And that's cool because so many Aussie eyes are going to be watching the Warriors take on the Broncos, the high-flying Broncos, because there's not many, not much choice. They'll be in the beautiful Hawke's Bay, a packed McLean Park. I, it's, it's magnificent. It's magnificent for that region, and it's magnificent for sports fans to know so many Aussies are going to watch the Warriors punish the Bronx. Yeah, we should call them the Hawks Bay Warriors for a week, I think, Steph. Oh, 100% agree. The Magpie Warriors? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I well, like the, although they used to have Magpies in the NRL, didn't they, when uh, the West oh, uh, were going around? Yeah. What about a retro black and white Warriors jersey for Hawks? Oh, yes. that would be fantastic. Paulie, I love our catch-ups. Thanks, buddy. Beautiful. Thanks, Steph. Have a good one, mate. You too, buddy. Paul Mawadi from the TAB. Uh, so in-play markets, I always say the in-play markets, they're all there. It's in-play now. The NBA Finals. Scrapping for survival. Scrapping for survival. Boston. And they're down by six at halftime. 56-50. Halftime probably came at the right time for Boston. Miami got away. Boston regathered. Miami started moving away again. But it's it's close enough. It's close enough. And it's new exclusive uh, time slot of between 140 and 145. Next up, we'll find out. Hang on to your hat. You don't want to miss this. What's making news? Gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? I'm just like a listener now, Sam. I just sit back and get informed. I do have a terrifying news story that I need to bring to you. Not horrifying? Horrifying and terrifying. Okay. Um, it's about AI. AI? AI? 
or Al, as I sometimes read it when I'm reading a news story. Al. It's always like, Al strikes again with lifelike image. There was a quiz team at quiz night last night called Chat GPT. That was their team name. Nice. They came last, gave me hope. Okay, that isn't actually bad. All right. Um, Well, this may take some of that hope away um, because there was an image that surfaced yesterday, late yesterday, American time. So that would have been overnight for us, I think. Is that how it works? Yep. Um, And it was an AI-generated image of an explosion at the Pentagon. You might not have seen this, Staff. But it got tweeted out by a couple of major news networks because obviously you'd see it and you'd think straight away it looks legit because it does look legit. The stock market dropped by $500 billion, which I'm sure in the the scheme of the whole stock market isn't a whole lot, but it had a bit of a dip. Sounds like a lot. Because people saw this photo and then it was verified that it was AI, the stock market rebounded. However, it shows you just how potent and how dangerous AI can be if it can literally wipe off $500 billion in a matter of seconds with Mm. a fake photo Mm. of uh, an explosion at the Pentagon. Wow. You'd you'd see the photo and think it was real. There's nothing about it that looks fake. But it was AI generated. Still got that hope? It does scare me a bit, but... What scares me is the unknown, because I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I can think see that's how, what, I can, just how powerful it's got so quickly. That's, that's the and that's what they're thing. saying. That's what they're saying. We we are taking leaps that are far too too big for the amount of time they're taking to get there. Um, so something a little bit more lighthearted, Thank if you. I may. Yeah. Um, a book by the name or with the title "A History of the United States." Great volume, I've I've been told was due back at a Californian library on the 21st of February 1927, <laughs> nearly 100 years ago. But a mystery man has handed it into the library just a few days ago. Sorry, I'm late. To the amusement of its staff. By the American historian Benson Lossing, it's thought to have been published in 1881. It was on loan from St. Helena Public Library in California with a return date of 21st of February 1927. Handed back a few days ago, 96 years overdue. The man who returned the book to the front desk shared no details of himself before leaving, just put it down and said, I'd like to return a book, walk out. They open it up. They realise what's going on. Now, uh, he owed no money to the library as it has not, uh, that library has not used fines since 2019. However, had the fines stood, he would have had to pay uh, about $3,000 in fines following the library's old nickel a day penalty. Wow. 3000 bucks. That's cool. 100 years old, that's pretty cool, returning a book 100 years late. What's your earliest memory of going to a library and the procedure they did when you took it out? Um, great question. Uh, it, it would have been in the uh, Dinsdale Library there on the corner next to the hair salon. Um, dinky little place, but yep, used to go there sometimes on a Sunday afternoon. You talk me through it. You take the book, you go up to I'm the counter. I'm trying to remember, then. you take the book, it had like stickers and barcodes on it. You went up to the counter. I don't think I can remember how it all works. So I'm pre-barcode? No pre-barcode, okay. And in the back of the book, on the hard cover, yep. they'd glued a bit of paper. Yes. And they had a stamp and a stamp pad and, yep. and a changeable oh, stamps. stamp. No, that's right. You know, we had the stamps. In the back. Yeah, and it gave the due date on the stamp. It gave the due date. Yep. But to this day, and you sh- and you had a cardboard library card and yes. you'd hand it over. Yes. And they wrote it in a journal that Mark Stafford had taken out 
the Horse Whisperer or whatever the yep. book is yep. and, and the date next to it. And so it was very manual. So someone it was must, very manual. Someone must have gone through back in the day, right, who's due today? Is that come back? Is that been... Have you yeah. got the Horse Whisperer back? I've got, yeah. Horse Whisperer here from um, Mark Stafford. Write a letter to Mark Stafford and say or, it's late. Audrey, <laughs> I've got here... Pool noodles and other swimming paraphernalia due back on Thursday. Five days overdue, that'll be 25 cents. I do remember the stamps, though. I, so I, I jumped the gun with the barcode. I do remember the stamps. Okay. Um, now, would you be shocked if I told you, Mark, that the ratio of sheep to humans... And now, this story made headlines in the UK. This is where I picked this story up. The ratio of sheep to humans in New Zealand has dropped to a record low. It's lowest ever... Recorded level. It has dropped to five to one. Five to one sheep to humans. Mm. So uh, there was a time in the 1980s when there were 22 sheep for every person. 22 to one. But in 2022, the national sheep flock tallied 25.5 million, a decrease of 400,000 on the previous year. And we are now sitting at the ratio of five to one. That is the lowest ever since we started recording in the 1850s. I probably need to ask our great rural roundup man, Andy Thompson, but... We've swung more towards dairy, haven't we? I think dairy is more profitable in the rural sector. Probably, and we send all our meat overseas, don't we? Yeah, we don't see it. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought you'd like to know that. Mm. Um, A bodyguard, a former bodyguard, has introduced a new ride-sharing platform in the US to take strangers from A to B. It's called Black Wolf, staff, um, (laughs) designed to rival Uber, Lyft, etc. It launched in Atlanta recently, about to drop in New York. It does have a catch, though. He's calling it a necessary evil. It is a platform that allows drivers to carry guns while taking strangers from A to B. Uh, He's no ordinary driver himself. He's no regular man with a plan either. He's a private investigator, worked as a bodyguard for celebrities and politicians. Mm -hmm. His new ride-sharing app lets you request a driver who is armed and allows users to select armoured or non-armoured transportation options. (laughs) All drivers are legally armed with experience in the military, law enforcement, private security, etc., and are trained in de-escalation tactics in case of disaster. Every uh, vehicle comes with a GPS tracking system, live streaming technology, etc., so you feel safe. The base price for an armed driver is US $60. US $50 if they're unarmed, and you pay about $1.75 per mile on top of that. Wow. So if you want to ride in sort of luxurious safety, Black Wolf is the app you'll want to download in the future. Fantastic. Also, before I get to my fact, and we may have to take a break, Beyonce and Jay-Z, ridiculously rich. Yes. So rich it's not funny. So they uh, reportedly have, well, no, they have just purchased a US $200 million mansion. That is $320 million New Zealand in Malibu. Paid for it in cash. Cash. No, paid for it in proper cash. Wow. Now, that is their most expensive home ever sold in the state of California. It is actually the second most expensive home ever in the United States. The most expensive belonging to a New York City apartment. That's 350 mil. And guess what? They got a damn discount. It was supposed to be 295 million. They got it for 200 million. They That's got a, a 95 million dollar discount. Well, you got so they've they haven't spent 200. They've saved nearly 100 million. Yeah, if you want to look at it that way. That's smart. They're cash rich, as Floyd Mayweather would say. A cash rich. Yeah. Cash anyway, I'll have to save the fact for um, after save the break. It. Save it. Fact. What was that? There was a <laughs> something in the back of your throat. I tell you what, Florida is it's turning. It's a peppermint choke. That is Florida. <clears throat> Florida is turning into the alternate New York City, isn't it? Like it's a who's who of superstars mm-hmm. on the on the mm-hmm. you know court side at the Miami Heat games. I just saw Derek Jeter, Brooks Koepka there as well. 
had his trophy at the Florida Panthers NHL game the other day. Here's a three for the Celts. Bang! Thank you. And the scores are level. Montana. 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 Did you know they've just recently banned TikTok? In Montana. Yeah, they're getting sued for it. Now, there's a law that in Montana that states if a student rides a horse to school, the principal is responsible for feeding and walking the horse. In 2002, last year, six seniors discovered the law and rode their horses on the last day of school. Principal did his duty. There you go. There's a fact. That's a fact and a half. So if you ever send, send your kids to school in Montana, buy a horse alongside. Watch the comedy play out. <laughs> Have we got the chase later today? We absolutely do. I just remembered it's Wednesday. Yeah, it's chase day. What time? 2.40. It's in 40 minutes. It is. I'm going to have to swap. Uh, we'll take some news with Johnny Mack. We'll come back after that. I just, I just want to address something, Sam, about um, LA sports teams names. We were talking about the Clippers, right? Um, but just quickly, uh, LA Lakers, it just rolls off the tongue. What do you think that's named after? LA Clippers. Lakers. Lakers. Where do you uh, think the Lakers comes from? Lake. I mean, lakes, maybe? Do you know how many lakes there are in LA? No idea. None. Oh, really? So because the, non, they were the zero the, Lakers. They were Minneapolis, and I think Minneapolis, in a loose translation, was like um, state of a hundred thousand lakes or something like that. And then they bought the Lakers and took it to LA and just didn't change the name. Uh, LA Dodgers, Sam. Any ideas where the Dodgers um, comes from? Artful Dodgers, or there's a number of things going through my head right now about dodgy individuals, but no, couldn't tell you. So back in the day, they were the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Brooklyn Bridge had trams going across them and so trams called trolleys yes so they Brooklyn people were called trolley dodgers because if you had to drive across the bridge you had to dodge the trolley so the Brooklyn Dodgers became known as the trolley dodgers Mm -hmm. and then LA bought the dodgers and so it went over to LA um, and they said we've got to fix that we've got to fix that and then the very last day that the red famously red trams which were which were the trolleys and Brooklyn, the very last day of the last trip across that bridge in a red trolley was the very first day that the LA Dodgers played in Dodger Stadium. Wow, that's a great story. Mm. Phenomenal. Mm. So Got I, any others? Yeah, so I've looked up the, the um, one of my new favourite words, I'm using it a bit at the moment, genus. Uh, and we talked about how did the Clippers get their name, and Finn Basima, who's a fan, doesn't know. So I found out, and we suggested... Uh, paper clips. We suggested barbers clippers, and we and I chucked out the uh, uh, there was a clipper class type boat. So here it is. Now for the clippers, the NBA team playing in the Namumbra of the Lakers Golden Purple Aura. If you'd never heard of the team before, you might think that the team name and mascot was a barber. For modern Californians, the origin might be just as obscure. In the 19th century, the Clipper ship was the swift and beautiful workhorse of the world's mercantile fleets, a ship whose remnant memory we find in the phrase, as 
at a fast clip. That's where that phrase came from, because the clipper boats, you know, you run at a fast clip. That's where that came from. This is great. These ships swarm San Diego's fine natural harbour, which the seafaring Harvard man Richard Henry Dana described in 1835 as the best harbour on the coast. The San Diego team became the Clippers in 1978 and six years later carried that name up the coast to Los Angeles, a place that had no comparably deep natural harbour. Um, I asked my friend Alonzo Bodden, the comedian and most forbearing of Clippers fans behind Finn Basimo of SENZ fame, what he thought of the team named for a nearly after a nearly 200-year-old sailing vessel and its present plush fur-feathered mascot, Chuck the Condor. Um, in early 1985, the LA Clippers briefly did have a sea captain mascot who made no impression whatsoever and was soon replaced by Sam Dunk, who looked like nothing more than a geezer kitted out for a weekend picket game and whose most memorable moment may have been when he tried to pull a pretty blonde fan onto the court to join him in a happy clappy routine. She resisted and it turns out to have been Shelley Sterling, the team owner's wife, and their brief... Um, Relationship. Sam Dunk managed to. I can't read that. That's a bit rude. Um, so yeah, he's Sterling. Uh, I can't remember his name. What was the What was the owner's name of the Clippers? Sterling um, Donald. He was voted as the worst ever professional sports owner in history. Wow. Do you remember that leaked tape? No. With a very, he had a very young wife, and she hung out with the players of colour in the team. And he said, "What are you hanging out with?" Okay, yeah, yeah, those type of yep. people. And yep. it got leaked out, and he got sued for truckloads. And he was he was quite, um, he's just like, well, they are. He was a bit Donald Trumpish in, I his, see, in yeah. his defence. Well, yep. well, it's true though, isn't it? Yeah, okay, you know, yeah. So yeah, Bad that, man. I I would say that's why they lost a lot of fans over the Donald Sterling affair because I was about to say, if I relocated to LA and I lived there, I'd go to the underdog team. To just. I'm not a bandwagon jumper. I wouldn't go Lakers. It'd be tempting. I'd go Clippers and then just hope you can ride a bit of success. But the Donald Sterling thing, Lakers, I'm yours. I, I can't go Clippers because wow. of the Sterling thing. Um, it's Wednesday, Sam. It is. It's afternoons with Staffy Sam. It is. <sighs> what time is it, Sam? It's time... Um for the Bailey Frobbery of the Week. Now, I'm a little bit in the dark about this one because you've sprung this on me. So I've just punched it in this immediate moment. And so I'm getting my first look at today's Property of the Week. It's a renowned sheep, beef and deer breeding. It's a finishing station situated in the Wanstead district, 25 k's east of Waipukuro. Sam... You'll be within a stone's throw over there on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Oh, is that around that area? I think I even looked at their golf course for a potential round. I was round. looking at it with you yesterday. So Andy Hunter and Andy Lee of Bailey's Waipukuro, um, the property contour, here we go, it's 2413 Porongahou Road. Small area of flat to easy rolling hill, perfect for a golf course, uh, to a portion of medium hill with some steeper sidelines. Areas are scattered a it says Kanuka. Is that supposed to be Manuka? Or do I not know what Kanuka is? Kanuka and Manuka are very similar trees, staff. Uh, Manukas uh, tend to grow shrubby and short. Kanuka are uh, longer, uh, longer top. 
Are you serious? 100%. Yeah, manuka are more like bushel. They have like a sort of short, shortish trunk with like a bushel, and a kanuka is a really long trunk, and the bushes are all up the top. <laughs> it's scattered with kanuka. <laughs> we, hey, this is, we've just given straight facts for about 15 minutes this on the show. Brilliant. Uh, okay, there's 45 hectares of Pinus radiata. I know what they are. They're pine trees. Uh, they were planted in 2017, 2018, and they feature throughout, along with 11 hectares of Queen Elizabeth II Bush Reserve established in 2021. All oh, the hard work's done. The stock policy consists of 270 hectare deer unit Angus cow breeding herd and Romdale ewe flock with all progeny fattened. Ready to go. It gets better. A solar powered water system from a spring reticulates water to troughs over part of the property. Good dams support the balance of the farm. Approximately 70 hectares is currently in chicory clover mix along with approximately 50 hectares of mohaka and winter star it's got everything this is heaven on soil improvements include a well maintained six bedroom homestead slash clubhouse with a swimming pool tennis court four bedroom second dwelling five stand wall wall shed with covered yards deer complex and five bay workshops this isn't a property this is a ranch this is a lifestyle, this is a game changer. 2413 Porongaho Road. And you know what I do? I go straight to the photos. I go to the house. Yes. Oh, yes. Hard to describe. You have to look at it yourself. Six bedrooms, big sheds, paddocks, paths, ponds. I'm trying to find the kitchen. There's so many awesome photos. I tell you what, this is a landscape that will arouse your eyeballs. Go and have a look. Oh, and greenness. There's your golf course section. Big, flat, few tennis court. There's the kitchen. Two ovens. Big drawers. Overhead stuff. Bit of, um, I don't know materials. You'll probably get me on this, but like a bit of exposed timber on the ceilings and beams. Window seats, wood burner, garage, lakes. Ranch time. It's ranch time. So get yourself involved. Contact either Andy Lee or Andy Hunter. That's Andy Squared at Waipokoro Bailey's. That's your property of the week. Um, right. Got some text messages. Staffy and Sam, re-lamb to people ratio. Andy Thompson informed Smithy that while the ratio has dropped, there is more kilos of meat total than there has ever been. There we go. That's why we've got the Rural Roundup and why we've got Andy Thompson. Um, I should have re-read, pre-read these. Yeah. Um, Rory, I, I semi-trust you, but it's a long one. I have, it's fine. Okay. When I was in prison, I was very good friends with one of the guards until I tried to escape. He was very disappointed with me and never talked to me again. Never let your guard down. <laughs> Okay. Hi, team. Uh, what's behind the time change starting next week? Scott, um, just streamlining, really. All of the SEN stations right through Australia have 6 to 9, 9 to 12, 12 to 3, uh, 3 to 6 for the drive show. And I sort of think it makes sense because by 6, so a drive show or the run home show, 3 o'clock for the school pickups, 
Um, four o'clock, getting them home. Five o'clock, people finishing work, get home about six o'clock. Then it's dinner and helping the kids with the homework. And I don't know. Uh, it just it just makes more sense to me. Um, Sam's chucked his headphones on. No, and I was just going to say, you know, as as good a job as you and we do here, Steph, the like four hours every single day is quite a long show to sort of put together and and you know sometimes just for us personally it sort of feels like we're we're trying to get there whereas we we think with three hours we can really you know rip into it and, and get a really great sounding punchy show that's full of great interviews and and talk back and texts and segments and everything so yeah um i think overall it's going to be it's gonna be great yeah i'm looking forward to it actually i'm looking forward to it and i miss the four o'clock traffic i get the three o'clock which is there's about, other reasons i'm looking forward to it yeah. which is about a half hour better off for the drive i'll take it he'll take it uh, big thanks uh thank you so much uh kirsten beef uh for but i tell you what our three o'clock to four o'clock club is a strong club they got a, they got a big they they got a big shift coming up three to four, um, so that was Scott. Uh, another good way to tell the difference: Kanuka, K for kind, as the leaves are softer on the hands. Manuka, M for mean, has sharper leaves. Oh, Brent, I like that. Um, Staffy, for Graham, I might even see you in France and have a beer. Stay safe, my Northland Marlborough friend, and be positive. The cups are coming home from Ken. And good news for Ken. Uh, St. George with the NRLW team, um, and it was announced by New Zealand Rugby this morning that they have agreed to release uh, between World, uh, World Seven Series tournaments that Tyler Nathan Wong... Um, has been released to go and play NRLW. Now, um, Tyler did a press conference or a, like a Zoom meeting this morning, and I've just picked out a few of her responses to some of the things that were brought up by us that tuned in and had a chat to her. Uh, the first one that was put to Tyler was about uh, her decision, how it came about to changing codes. Um, what was What's her attraction to league? Yeah, jumping across the ditch, eh? Should be good fun. Um, nah, so obviously I come from a big league family, so that's the that's um, where my love for league has always been. I've always loved league play. That was my very first sport as a kid um, at like six years old. I was playing alongside the boys um, and my cousins and my dad and that were the coach. So I've always had this massive love for league and, you know, follow the NRL. And then when the NRL dub um, first started, you know, a few years back, I was like, man, that is so cool. Obviously, I was, you know, in the thick of it with the sevens program then and been like, far, how cool would that be to one day jump across? Um, post, uh, what was it, 20, uh, the Olympics, the Tokyo Olympics, you know, that kind of sprung up again. I was like, man, this could actually be a, a viable option for me. And then we kind of forecasted ahead, looked at like what the season would look like. And there was this big break in between, um, you know, for at the end of 2023. And it's like, that's the perfect opportunity to, you know, finally allow this this other dream of mine to come to fruition and to really jump in head first into it. And that's that's what I've done. Tyler Nathan Wong there on her background in league. Um, and actually, I don't think we've got the clip where she mentions, but her, I think it was her grandfather was the first um, first man of Chinese descent, full Chinese descent, to play representative rugby league in New Zealand, and he was on. He was going to be picked into the Kiwis, but he broke his leg, so he didn't 
didn't get to play for the Kiwis. So um, good background in rugby league. Uh, the second thing she talked about was uh, obviously she chose the Dragons and um, uh, the Kiwi rugby league player, Racine McGregor, widely regarded as, a, as one of the best, if not the best, uh, women's rugby league player in the world. So Tyler, on the appeal to the Dragons. Oh, there's, um, there's a few different clubs um that we kind of chatted to in the process. But, I don't know, it was just something about the Dragons. Um, Jamie Salad, the coach, he just had a pretty awesome vibe about him um, and so did the um, other members of management. But then I think the draw card too was also, you know, the um, them signing Racine McGregor, who's pretty much the informed number seven in the game, you know, Dally M winner, all this kind of stuff. Another Kiwi, so seeing her as number seven and the potential of, you know, partnering her in the halves, I was like, man, I could learn so much from her because I'm going into this as a, you know, fresh new person in there. I want to learn as much as I can, as quick as I can, and I know I can learn a lot from her. And one of the concerns was what does this mean for your uh, rugby career? I remember she was part of the World Cup. She's a, a very important part of the New Zealand uh, Blackfern Sevens program. So she was asked about uh, Olympics, still her big destination. Yeah, definitely. That's, you know, you'd be, um, you know, if you said you didn't want to go to the Olympics, you're lying. <laughs> everyone, you know, everyone in their right mind, no matter what sport they play, the Olympics is the pinnacle of everything. And so that's still, you know, a goal of mine to achieve next year. And this is just a little, you know, sideways step um, in my um, kind of period to lead towards that. But I know I'm going to be able to develop my game massively and learn so much from the game of league that is just going to enhance my rugby um, skills when I eventually do, um, you know, make that step back to sevens, if that's my decision at the end of this. If that's my decision at the end of this. If that's this decision at the end of this. It, it's brought up a talking point for me, Sammy, in that you would never see a men's sevens player go and play some rugby league in the NRL. And it just begs the it begs the discussion point for me that it's an opportunity for, to earn some cash. I applaud it. But when you look at the women oval ball players in New Zealand in recent times, Gail Broughton went to Parramatta two seasons ago. I think she got their club player of the year, fantastic player. Niall uh, Guthrie, she is, Niall Williams, as we know her. She signed for the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, probably she might be one and done, or maybe she's signed for two years. I'm not 100% sure. Ruby Tui and Stacey Fleur are off to play professional rugby in America to come back. Sarah Hidani is playing in a sevens team tournament in Japan. Kelly Brazier is a player coach in that same tournament. Now we've got Tyler Nathan Wong going uh, to play NRLW. Um, I, put to Tyler, I, I put to Tyler in that about... I've often said I think the Seven Sisters, as they call themselves, the Blackfern Sevens, just represent us so wonderfully and they inspire the young boys and girls to play rugby and Sevens and all that sort of thing. Now a lot of them are going to an other code and rugby are happy for that to happen. Is there a concern? Well, my observation is if they don't let them go, they can say, well, give me some more money then so, and I'll stay here doing this. And they'll just go, oh, actually, no, you can go and do that, but come back. How long until that two-way travelator just becomes one way? Because NRLW is growing fast. It's, a, it's gaining massive momentum. And has a lot, of more, lot more money too. It does. I guess you're probably looking at as well if you're, if you're a rugby player, not a sevens player, and you look at um, Opaki and you get what? 
three games, four was it three or four games? They play. The Page stayed twice. Was they, it three times? No, they played each other once, so that's three, and then they had a semi and a final. It was five weeks. Yeah, yeah. So you're looking at that, going, well, you know, that's just not enough for me really to stay here. And I know Farah Palmer Cup, but surely that's not paying them, you know, enough to keep them here. So, but the point that you were making about why, so you saying that they'd never let the males do that? Can't see it. I mean, otherwise TJ Perinara would have done it. So why, why, why not? Why would they? Why are they happy to see the females go and not the males? Because they've got the money for the males. They say, no, you stay, you stay. And it's that, it's that, it's the poles apart. Like New Zealanders can't play overseas and get selected for the All Blacks. You have to play Super Rugby here or MPC here to get into the All Blacks. To get into the Black Ferns, now you don't have to. Mm. You don't have to be domiciled here. But there isn't the competitions for them here. These are not the competitions. No, it's yeah, it's a, sort of a yeah. Yeah, because if New Zealand rugby had a said to Tyler and Sarah and um, Ruby and Stacey and said to them, "Now look, we can't pick you if you're playing offshore." These are sort of like the sabbaticals that we've seen. But um, I, I mentioned to Tyler, there's just not a food, not enough rugby food on the table in New Zealand for you to be sustained for a whole twelve months. So your feeling is she's going to go over there for how long did she sign on for? Sorry. Just the season. Just the one season. Do you think she'll come straight back? I think she will yeah. with the Olympics as the carrot. True. And, of course, we have Olympics two years later, Commonwealth Games. But I could see really, really rapidly there's going to have to be discussions. See, post, um, post-Olympics, there could be a heap of them go to yeah. NRL and say, we're going for two seasons, but we'll come back for the Com Games. Then we'll go for two seasons. And what does that do to the rugby landscape for women in New Zealand? It's very interesting, and it's going to be, you know, not just in women's sport and male sport as well. I just find the next sort of five to ten years just going to be fascinating with our sports because I don't think we can predict correctly predict where it's all going to be in ten. No, years we can't. Time. We can't. But one thing I think you can be sure of is that there's not enough money in New Zealand. There's mm. not enough money for us to keep our best athletes here, and not saying that kids are motivated by money, but you know they see the NBA and they see maybe the NRL. These sports where guys are getting paid. A lot of money. They're superstars. They're in front, of, you know, and that that gets them excited. And I think the only thing that we've clung on to for the last for how many years since the game turned professional is the black jersey. But I'm telling you now, kids, it's not the same anymore, Steph. Unfortunately, as hard as that is to admit, it and, is for maybe the, our generation, but the younger generation now, it just doesn't have the same pull. It and, just doesn't have the same pull. And the rule makers and the clause writers that put that in place, and I'm not saying I'm for or against it or anything, and Razor Robertson's the first one that says we need to have a discussion around it. Um, I mean, Wallabies have the Gitto rule. If you've played X number of tests and you play overseas, you can be picked. Um, we heard uh, Matt Pierce on today saying five of the top Springboks now play club rugby in Japan because South Africa, they, they just go to them and say, hey, listen... Um, um, one of the big Japanese teams is offering me eight hundred grand. Now, Springbok's not a strong financial economy. They can't afford. They just haven't got the money to keep them there. They, they might be able to offer them one hundred and fifty. That that's sort of it. I remember the Beast, the most marketable Springbok for a while there. His private commercial sponsorship was something like three or four times higher than his South African Springbok um, Sharks contract. He was getting four times, I think it was the income from his private sponsors than South African rugby paid him. Not because they didn't want to, they just couldn't afford it. It's a massive moving beast, and we're mm. the only country that make you play in that country to play for the All Blacks. Argentina, most of their best players play in England. France. 
England? No, they picked them from French clubs. Yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah. And look, you did mention um, the South African uh, element there as well, and just there would have been some people who didn't hear between 12 and 1, and maybe they came in late, but the interview with Matt Pierce, um, definitely go back and have a listen to that, because that was fantastic about where South African rugby is at. Because it's not, it's not on our radar as much as it used to be, South African rugby, from like a player point of view and from a how their tracking point of view. So go listen to Matt Pierce. You'll be a little bit scared listening to it. Educated, the, but scared, educated but scared ahead of the Rugby World Cup. Um, Aaron Smith was on the run home last night. Go and have a listen that to that. That was also fantastic. The, that was fantastic. And he came out and said, hey, mate, the, uh, the money was huge, like way more than France and England and anywhere else. And he's 34, I think, Nuggy. Um, and he signed for three years. So he's going to be knocking on the door a million dollars a year. What does a what happens if a Japanese club goes to Cam Royguard and says nine hundred grand a year? He won't be within cooey of that at the moment. He's tw- he's early twenties, and in and in a certain number of years, he can now play for Japan, earning n- nearly a million dollars a year. And the lure of the black jersey, while it's there, is it as strong as when Aaron Smith? was the same age as Cam Roygaard is now. I'd venture to say no. I'm not casting aspersions on the values of the black jersey by Cam Roygaard. I'm just using that as an example. Charles Piatow was the first one to turn his back on a black jersey. He's set up for life. He's off to Japan. I just think it's a massive discussion point about the travel ladder between Australia, uh, between New Zealand women's rugby players and Australia NRLW is a massive not necessarily threat, opportunity. There's a woman who played for Mata 2 Super Rugby. She she won't be a black fern. She's playing club rugby league in Auckland in preparation for trying to get into the Warriors. That's what she's doing. Rugby league for women is going to become massive, has become and will become more of a draw card just for the financial things, and I have no issue with women earning as much money as they can with an athlete. I have no woman with men earning as much money as they can as an athlete because they've got a shelf life and they've got to set themselves up. Righto, that's my rant. That's my rant. Let's take some news. from Jimmy saying Staffy mate Will Woolbrick from the Storm is an X7s player my point exactly he wasn't released by New Zealand 7s to go and play for the Storm to come back to New Zealand 7s Tyler Nathan Wong has that, that's my point they would not release New Zealand men's players to go and play a season at NRL admittedly the women's season is a lot shorter so he couldn't because it's a full year thing but they are letting our New Zealand women's sevens player, and I tick that. I think it's great. Uh, on the understanding they come back. It's just, it's just. Mm, I just think needs to be thought through, which I guess they are. Staffy, this is from Ken, St George fan. Go Tyler, you've chosen a great club, having a rough time, but we'll be back sooner 
sooner rather than later best of luck yeah she's coming back she'll come the Olympics is a huge pull it is a huge pull and also the camaraderie they have amongst themselves the seven sisters is just brilliant um, Jamie Soward is saying the new Dragons coach is going to be named within hours so this is Griffin's replacement I, I guess um, Staffy, do the players get a million dollars a year or is it a season to play in Japan and how long is a season uh, 12 games November to March with a break at Christmas something like that it, it's not many they train harder than they play I've spoken to a number of players that have played in Japan and they'll do line out drills for two hours they'll pack scrums for two hours they'll do kickoffs for two hours it's mind numbing but that's that's the Japanese way we just drill it drill it drill it repeat 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 it's quite tough for a New Zealand player to go over there initially and the coaches go over there as an advisor to the head Japanese coach and they're just going oh let's do this and they're like no we're doing line outs for two hours quite interesting another story that broke and there's been a bit of consternation about uh, the pre-regatta of the America's Cup in Saudi Arabia. And people are very upset uh, with their atrocious, and I'm not saying it's not, um, human rights, women's rights violations. I think it is on the slow improve, but they've got a long, long way to go. Huge America's Cup fan, Sammy Hewitt. Huge America's Cup Gee, fan. Yeah, sure. When you heard that, what, what was your reaction? Saudi. Yeah. Um, I mean, I... I, I I'm not a big fan of the fact that Team New Zealand sold us on bringing the cup to New Zealand, you know, and having the the, the regattas here and getting taxpayer investment. Remember that, taxpayer investment. And this is what Grant Dalton does. And in a way, I don't really have anything against him personally, but this is what he does is he sort of shuns everyone for three years. And then when the fourth year rolls around, all of a sudden, he's the media's biggest fan. He's New Zealand's biggest fan. He wants the money. He wants the facilities, wants everything. And then as soon as it's over again, he's back into his shell and that's what he did with this with this last America's Cup he got everyone on board he got all the investment he needed they won the regatta and then they, they've decided to take it offshore now his argument is we're not going to win it if we stay in New Zealand we don't have the money we don't have the, the resource to keep it in New Zealand well guess what that's sport you know <laughs> that, you, you, you know, actually said at the time you were happy to lo- you were happy to have it in New Zealand like, I think and Peter Lester summed this up as well I think they said we had a 10% 10% chance to hold it, to retain it, if it was held in New Zealand, we've got a 50% chance if we go offshore. Yeah. And you're happy with that? I'm totally happy with that because to me, and I know they're not going to be happy about that, they want to win the thing, and that I understand from their perspective, but from the fans' perspective, I'd rather sort of battle to have to win it here, and if it means we lose it, we lose it, because then we you know, we try and win it back a four, eight, 12 years later, like we have done over the course of history, right? But I want to know about your Saudi Arabia. I know, so, so I'm getting to that. Okay. So... When I see that, you know, oh, this regatta is going to be in Saudi Arabia, this one's going to be in the Mediterranean, I just don't care, Steph, because, and, and I mean I don't care in the fact that I probably won't watch it because I've lost that affinity to them now. Don't even call yourself Team New Zealand now. They're owned, basically owned by Spaniard. the Italian, is it the Spaniard or the Italian yeah. or whatever? They're basically owned by them. I mean, if you want to make it franchise-like and call yourself, you know. Um, Oracle. The, or, or the, you know, the, uh, the Masts. The booms. The clippers. The booms, the clippers. By all means, do it. and Put a New Zealand flag on it if you want, if you're sort of trying to represent. But don't call yourself Team New Zealand when you have almost now no tie to the country. When you have nothing to do with it. Correct. So when I see Saudi Arabia, I get I get the, the conversation, Steph, about, you know, it's a bad place and they shouldn't do sporting events there. But I'm, I'm just more upset that it's not even in New Zealand. And that's probably where I stand. Mm. 
I just wanted to point out some of the sports that have been held in Saudi Arabia. Formula One Grand Prix has a Saudi Arabia stop. Joshua Ruiz, Joshua Usyk, Jake Paul, Tommy Fury, huge, huge events held in Saudi Arabia. They're part of the World Cycling Tour now, the Saudi Tour Cycling. Most of the major teams were there. Newcastle United are owned by Saudi Arabia. The 2010 World Squash Champs were in Saudi Arabia. The WWE have a – I'm not into WWE, but it's a massive sport. They've got a 10-year deal. They have the Royal Rumble there. In fact, this Saturday night – they have the Night of Champions. Live golf out of there. Also this year, they have the World Weightlifting Championships. And in December this year, they have the FIFA Cup World Cup. FIFA Club World Cup, I should say. Sports washing, they say. Um, this isn't new, what America's Cup are doing um, by hosting something in Saudi. It's atrocious there. None of it should happen, but it all is. So, but the point I'm saying, it's not Team New Zealand who are rocking the boat. Every sport goes there. And, and money talks in sport, and that's the unfortunate thing. That, that is fair. That, like, there is a lot of double standard, and not even just sports staff, but you know, there's so many uh, clothes and shoes, etc., that you are happy to buy at your local shops that come from very um, you know, terrible places around the world. So, yeah, there is a lot of hypocrisy in it. I do find that funny. Mm. Um, yeah, find me one person. It's not the whole, you know, stones and glass houses. Find me one person on the earth who is totally bereft of, you know, buying or engaging in some sort of country or activity or corporation that has, you know, a bad history. Mm. Not saying it's right, but I'm just saying. Uh, Moose, she's texting it about the quiz night last night. It wasn't Sam, it was me. Uh, no one got the country calendar question. Who hosted country calendar for 50 years? Who's the voice of country calendar for 50 years, Sam? Dunno. Uh, Frank Tawley was the man's name. Uh, we had so many different ones. Do you want to play the chase? 0800 150 Give us a call. We'll play after this. Righto, not as many callers this time, just the six calling yeah. up. So you've loaded up the six thing. What did you that, spin? That might be because they think we don't have the 100,000 e-cash up for grabs, but I reckon we go again. I, I'm happy to, to get that prize back Righto. in the mix. I'll talk to our team. 100,000 e-cash is going to be on the line today, Mark we Stafford. Uh, we're spinning the wheel. I wish the laptop had that. And caller number three comes from New Plymouth. It is Zach. Zach. G'day, Zach. How's it going, boys? Are you a sporting wizard? You blessed me before, Steffi. Remember, you bet me on the buzzer beater that one time. Oh, oh. so he's a, he's, a, he's a previous offender. Redemption time. Um, okay, Zach, so we're going to put 60 seconds on the timer. Before we get started, though, we need you to pick from set A or set B on our questions. I'll just go set A. Set A. Fine. Lock it in. 60 seconds to answer as many as you can. If you skip one, I move on straight away. If you get one wrong, I'll give you the right answer. Are you ready to go? Yeah. Zach, your time will start in three, two, one. The Chiefs' only Super Rugby loss this season came at the hands of which team? Um, uh, Red. Correct. Where is the first State of Origin game this year? Uh, Adelaide. Correct. Who did New Zealand draw two all with in this morning's under-20 FIFA World Cup pool match? Mongolia. Uzbekistan. Who faced Shane Warne's ball of the century? Um, oh, Mark Richardson. Mike Gatting. How many French Open tennis titles did Roger Federer win? Uh, 22. 
won, along with the PGA Championship. Which other major has Brooks Kepka won? Yeah, Sa- uh, Salisi Rayasi plays for which Kiwi Super Rugby team? Hurricanes. Correct. Who is the coach of the Brisbane Broncos? Um, uh, Kim Walters. Correct. With another title this week, how many consecutive Premier League titles have Man City won? Seven. Three. How many NBA championships has LeBron James won? Four. Oh, no, the buzzer's gone. He missed the last one. I think he said four, but the buzzer had gone, unfortunately. Zach, I felt like the pressure might have got to you. It might have just got to you, you a little bit. You sounded under pressure, Zach. Yeah. Are you sweating bullets right yeah. now? Are you reaching for the handy <laughs> towels? Yeah, I'm pacing. <laughs> He's pacing. So he got four right. Steph, uh, yeah, got uh, Uzbekistan wrong. Uh, Mike Getting. Roger Federer's only won one French Open tennis title. US Open for Brooks Kepka. Um, so you've got four to catch, Steph. Right, right. Four to catch. Finn's going to load up the clock, and your time will start. Let's make sure we all ready to go here. Yep, your time will start in three, two, one. Who did the Highlanders play in a crucial Super Rugby match this weekend? Reds. Correct. Which Queenslander holds a record for most State of Origin games in history? Uh, Cam Smith. Correct. Which two teams will meet in the Champions League final? Pass. Stop the clock. No sound effect there. It's a delayed sound effect. Uh, which two teams will meet in the Champions League final, Zach? Man City, Arsenal, I don't know. No, Man City, Inter. Inter Milan, which is a oh. weird one for me. Uh, Steph, you're on 2-2 two, two to catch. Your time will start again in 3-2-1. Which was the last team to win the Ashes series away from home? England. Correct. The Timberwolves are an NBA team from which US state? Minnesota. That is correct. <laughs> oh, Zach. That was that was tough. That you was had a tough your one chance today. on soccer football because I'm hopeless at those. Yeah, I'm not very good on those either. I actually was going to blurt out Man City and AC Milan. <laughs> Ooh, I wouldn't have given that to you, Steph. I no. wouldn't have given it to you. Oh well, Zach, uh, try again next time, my friend. Yeah, cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. There is uh, another victim in New Plymouth. Another victim and a hundred thousand cash remains in the, in the vault. Wallet. Stays in the wallet. Stays in the wallet. It's probably a better term since the we can the vault. <laughs> Maybe we'll R.I.P. Should we do a vault like a vault revisited just once? Oh, we could do that. We, we could, could just that. revisit all our old stuff. We, we could do what that. happens next? Yeah. Minute to win it. We'll have like a uh, reflection Wednesday or something like that. Yeah, sure. All right, we're going to find out what happened back into the day uh, very shortly before we hand over to Sammy and Kempi for running it straight. Happened back in the day. May 24, 2003. 20 years ago, the Blues went into the 2003 Super Rugby season chasing their third title after winning the first two in 95-96, while the Crusaders had won four of the last five. During the regular season, the Blues suffered just one loss at the hands of the Landers and toweled up the Crusaders 39-5 en route to the final at Eden Park. And as expected, the contest was an extremely tight affair. They're out of the blocks very quickly, the Crusaders. He's run to the touchline, the game is over. The Blues have won the Super 12 title in 2003. It's, 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 been, a long, it's been a long time since we've been here, but the boys are proud, proud to uh, have repaid your faith. This is your team, and this is our trophy. Thank you very much. I think that's the voice of Xavier Rush, skipper there. 2010, there were two nine darters. Fulfill the power, Taylor. It's your turn to possibly call the second for the first time in darting history. They're both coming down in nine daughter style first pop. Treble 19. Double 12! Yeah! 
Ian Kirkpatrick turns 40, uh, sorry, born in 46, turns 77 today. Great man, Kirky. Eric Cantona turns uh, 57. Tracy McGrady, former NBA player, 44. And William Truebridge, can't believe he's 43, uh, world record Kiwi free diver. On this day in 1976, The Man Who Fell to Earth with David Bowie was the number one movie and the number one song was. Here I go again. Paul and Linda. Uh, big thanks to Finn Basimo for your help today. Sammy Hewitt knocking it out of the park again. You can't go home. You're hosting Running It Straight with Kempe. Get amongst the league.